Christ. And we long for that day. But yet today on this special day on Mother's Day, I want to give a challenge not just to moms. And not even just to parents. But I want to give a challenge to all grandparents even. And to all those that are in this room because each and every one of you in here, you have influence. You have influence upon the next generation. And this is where we find our text today in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Moses is, is, is reminding the people, he's giving them a word from God to, to the people of Israel. And he's wanting to really remind them. In fact, Deuteronomy means the second giving of the law. Moses is reminding them of God's law. And he's reminding them they're about to go into a land called Canaan. This is the land God promised to the nation of Israel. But he's reminding them, he's reminding them, don't forget God. And he's reminding them of the responsibility that they have to teach truth to their children and to their children's children. That many times, I think, not just as families, but as churches, we have like short-term goals. But yet, I believe that biblically, that we should raise our kids with our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren in mind. About preserving and passing down the truth of God's word that, that they would grow up to love God with all their heart, soul, and might and that they would pass that down and then that, that our children would raise their children to know and follow God. Now for many of you in here, you didn't grow up in a home where you knew the Lord. For many of the people in our church, and it seems true in our 930 service and in here at our 11, that for, for, for some of you, you were saved as an adult. And maybe you don't look back with maybe a great Christian upbringing, and that's okay. Because God has saved you. And now, for generations to come, may you pass that truth on to your children and, and to their children. So Moses is writing here. He's got a word from God to the nation of Israel. And he says, now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you. That ye might do them in the land where you go to possess, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers has promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey." Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And then here it is. Here it is. He says that, that they should teach those things, those truths, diligently or passionately. He says, teach them to thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way. And when thou liest down and thou risest up. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. They shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. So this is something he's saying. This isn't just you, you gather maybe with your family or, or even gather in the temple periodically and you go over these things. He's saying no. This is a lifestyle. 
And obviously this was written in a, a unique time to a specific group of people, the nation of Israel, who are about to go into a land God promised them. But yet what we see when we let all of Scripture speak and we see a consistent message in Scripture, we can't help but see the application for us today to do the same thing, to teach our children to love and to know God and to follow God, that we would teach them God's law and God's word. And this is really the, the, the message today, the thought today about our responsibility to pass truth down to the next generation, our influence that we have on people in our life. We see, first of all, there's a, there's a commitment to teaching truth, a commitment to teaching truth. To pass this down, he says, first of all, teach our children to love and follow God with all of their heart, soul, and might. And you know what? It's easy to, to be really concerned about the externals with our kids. Like, we want our kids to behave. You know, we want, we want to get the compliments like, oh, your kids are so well behaved. I actually got that the other day and it's like, you know what? It's been a while since I've heard that. So it was kind of nice. Like, man, I don't know what to think about this, but, but we, we want those externals, you know, behavior. We want our kids to make good grades and to do well in sports and to fit in well with, with others. And like, and I'm not saying those are bad things. Those are, are good things. But here's the thing, many times we can be so focused upon that instead of realizing what's more important than all of that is whether our kids love God with all their heart, soul, and might. And if they love God with all their heart, soul, and might, then yes, what they're going to do in life, they're going to do it with excellence. They're going to do it to the glory of God. And God, sometimes those outward uh, results, those will, those will all fall into place, but it must come from a heart that loves God, that wants to follow God. Because otherwise what happens is maybe we have some things even in our own life, not just with our kids, even in our own life, maybe we try to keep up this appearance like, man, I've got things together. My life's put together. Things are going well. But, but maybe inside, within our heart, there's struggles. We haven't surrendered some things to God. And we have these eternal or these struggles that are going on internally. So I moved, my, my family moved into a house just up here in Northwest Davenport a few months ago. And when we moved in, it was like, almost like right after we moved into the house, the furnace was acting up. Now, I know we've had a horrible spring. It's been cold and wet and rainy, but you know, the winter wasn't terrible. I mean, it wasn't great, but it wasn't like as bad as other winters, but, but it was on like the, one of the coldest weeks that we've had, our furnace was acting up. Our furnace wasn't working. And so I was like, man, what's going on with the furnace? I even called uh, Atwell. Some of you guys know Dave Atwell who goes to Crosspoint and he's been an you know, HVAC guy for 30 some years. We're trying to figure out what's going on with the furnace. Well, here's what was going on with the furnace. These filters. This is what my filter looked like. Now, some of you are laughing, but go check your filter. I bet it looks the same way. <laughs> this was the issue. And here's the thing. That's. That's what, you're, you're, you're on top of things, Theatro. The rest of us need a reminder. But here's the thing, you know what? Sometimes I think that in life we, we see like, why, is, why aren't things going well? Why, or, or we see maybe in someone else's life, like they just make this, this horrible decision and just go off the rails in making these horrible life choices. And a lot of times we want to pinpoint what went wrong, what happened, and we look outwardly. 
but we don't look internally. And many times those decisions that we make are a result of deep-rooted spiritual issues in our life. And they're eventually made manifest on the outside. And so I say all that to say, yes, as parents, like we need to, to teach our children to obey and behave in a certain way. Of course. And many times, especially when they're young, it's like for their own safety. It could be a life and death situation. We want our kids to learn to obey. But look, as our kids get older, we must realize that, that it's more than just like that they conform outwardly, but it's that that we're teaching them, cultivating them to know and love and serve God. You know what that happened? How that happens is exactly what we heard the kids sing today. It's having a praying mom, a praying dad, praying for our children, praying that God would work in their life, praying that they would have a desire to love, to follow, and to serve God. And we should commit to teaching them truth, teaching them to love God with all their heart, soul, and mind. Teaching them to know God's word. That God's word, that God has revealed truth to us in his word. And that this word of God, the living word of God, should be our foundation in life. And that's important that we teach this to our children. Because have you noticed there's a lot of competing worldviews out there? And they are loud, they're vocal, and they seem very persuasive of an unbelieving worldview. That our kids are going to be faced with. And that's why we need to teach our children truth. And let me say this. That's why we shouldn't shelter our children even from the hard things. Now again, obviously age appropriately, right? When you bring certain things up. But the worst thing that we can do is if there's things like maybe they're difficult passages in the word of God. Or maybe it's like a controversial thing in our, in our world and culture. And so like the easy thing is like, oh man, I don't want to bring this up. I don't really want to have to go into this. I, but that's the worst thing that we can do. We need to prepare our kids. And by the way, I think, it's, I think it's appropriate to even tell them and teach them and listen to opposing worldviews. Now again, it's certain ages in a controlled, in a context of faith. I want my kids to hear the competing worldviews out there. I want my kids to know what are what are the unbelievers and skeptics and atheists even saying? Because here's what happens. Sometimes we prepare them with these straw man arguments. And then they actually, like, they're not even arguments people are making anymore. And then they go out into the real world. And they get these objections and arguments. And it's like, that's the first time that they've ever heard it. Look, and I know I'm not going to do this perfectly. I know that. Like, but my desire is that my kids would be so unfazed by the arguments of the skeptics and unbelieving world, that by the time they're out on their own, by the time, maybe in college somewhere, maybe out when, in, in the workplace or when they're an adult, when they hear things like, well, you can't trust the Bible. You know, all the manuscripts that you guys have all say different things. Well, I hope that they are so equipped that they've heard that so many times, but they've heard it in a context of faith, that actual multiple manuscripts that aren't identical are a good thing. To where we know that we can trust the validity of scripture. Because no one group controlled the text. It was spread out all over the world at all different times. And you bring those all together. Sure, there's differences. Right? There wasn't one person that just was in control of it. There's differences. But guess what we have? The same New Testament. And we have so many, we can actually compare them. To see what 
what did the original authors write? I hope my kids are equipped that when they hear those arguments, that they're unfazed by it. When they hear things like, oh, well, you know, the science and the Bible are in conflict with each other. I hope that they've heard those so many times that honestly, they're not even going to really be all that bothered or phased by it. Because here's the problem. Today, what happens is a seed of doubt is planted. And that seed of doubt doesn't shatter people's faith. What shatters their faith and what we see a lot of today is what's called the deconstruction story. You know, a deconstruction of someone's faith. Basically, someone says, hey, I believe one thing, and then now I no longer believe that. Well, let's just be honest. Like all of us, if, if we would be honest about it, there's things that we believed at one point, and we don't believe anymore, even as Christians. But that's not deconstruction. That's just we're being sanctified. We're growing in our knowledge of the word of God. There's some things that, should that we should change when we see that the word of God, which is our filter of truth, right? Where, where we see, oh, you know what? I thought that, but I, the Bible doesn't teach that. Or vice versa. The Bible does teach that. So I'm going to change my view based on the word of God, right? That happens all the time. That's actually not a bad thing. That's a good thing when we make changes based on the word of God. But what happens is, there's seeds of doubt that are planted with people, and then a major life catastrophe happens. The loss of a parent. Someone walks out on them. A spouse abandons them. Maybe someone that they look up to, a parent, a pastor, a teacher, a leader, disappoints them or hurts them. And then what happens? That seed of doubt that was planted will begin to blossom. And what I'm saying is, look, we can't, we live in a fallen world and we can't keep evil and bad things from happening and from our kids to experience that, right? Like you all can say, yes, we've experienced those disappointments and those hurts in life. But what happens is it's at those times that seed of doubt begins to blossom. And what I'm simply saying is this, we need to not shelter our kids from the hard things. Because what happens is this. When doubt is ignored, when doubt is ignored, it's going to shatter our faith. When it's carelessly ignored, it shatters our faith. But when it's carefully explored, it builds our faith. Follow the truth wherever it leads. And sometimes people are a little bit surprised like when I'll talk with them and they'll, they'll, they'll tell me like, hey, I once thought this and now I don't know if I believe any of that. And they're a little bit surprised by my response because usually I'll say something like, well, you know what? I think that's a great thing that you're having these doubts because you can't just hold blindly onto something that you don't really believe. You need to follow the truth where it leads. Don't ignore those doubts. Carefully explore those doubts. And what I've found is the things that, man, I just sometimes wrestle with that I have a hard time reconciling, or maybe it's an objection or a question someone brings up, and I just feel like, man, I don't have, I don't have a good, a good uh, adequate answer. But you know what I find? The more I dive and carefully explore that, that God's word does have, us have a satisfactory answer. And I know it's more than an, it's more than an intellectual battle. Many times it's an emotional struggle. Many times it, it's a spiritual struggle. With just people, they don't believe the truth because their mind is blinded by sin in their life. I don't say that as a, 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 in a derogatory way. I just, like, that's what the scripture tells us, right? That we're without, we don't know Christ. We're blinded 
We're living in darkness. We need that light of the gospel to shine. But my point is simply this. We have a responsibility to teach our children truth. To teach them truth. And not ignore the difficult things. Not ignore the hard things. And this is a primary responsibility for parents. And look, I say this and I recognize there's a lot of unique situations. And we have, we have at Crosspoint single parents. And I want to tell you, like, we stand with you. We are there for you. We appreciate all that you're doing and we are in your corner. But I say this to those that are married right now. The best thing you can do for your kids is to have a God-honoring, Christ-centered marriage. That's the best thing that you can do for your kids. And again, I realize sometimes the real isn't, or sometimes the ideal isn't always the real. Again, maybe you're in that situation, not because of anything wrong you've done. Maybe you had a spouse abandon you or walk out on you or abuse you. And I know there's a lot of unique situations. And so the last thing that we're here to do is to try to bury you in guilt or shame. We recognize Everyone's situation's different, and we stand with you, and we stand behind you. But those that are sitting in here married, don't underestimate how important a Christ-centered, godly marriage is for your children. And how important that that is for them to learn truth. To teach our children. And by the way, be involved with your children. Because the next thing is this, not only do we have responsibility to teach, but responsibility to set a godly example. To live a godly example. Now, are we going to do this perfectly? No. Look, we're not talking perfection, but we're talking genuine. Being authentic. Being real. And, and that, that's more than, than just saying something. It's more than just making statements or lecturing. It's, it's trying to live by what we're teaching. It's trying to live by that. I like what uh, Pastor Andy Stanley said about this. He says, it's your example, not your advice, that will impact your influence with your children later. Now, that's not to say we don't give advice and that we don't speak truth. But far more important than speaking it is, is living it, is living genuine. And sometimes, you know what that means? It means just being honest when we as parents have failed or when we've messed up. Like, instead of excusing it, apologize to our kids when we've failed in some areas. Being genuine. Because Moses is going to tell, tell God's people Israel. He's saying, diligently teach these things. And he says, look, when you go into this land that I've promised you, beware or be cautious that you don't follow the other gods that are around you. Because that's going to be a trap, a snare to not just you, but to your children. So what he's saying is, yes, teach, but also live by a godly example. Set that example. And maybe for you, that's been your struggle. That's been your struggle because you've had, and maybe it wasn't a parent. Maybe it was a church. Maybe it was a pastor. They said things, but they didn't live it. And for you, you wrestle with that. Maybe you wrestle with the whole thing of, is Christianity even true? Because people said one thing and lived a different way. And this is important that we not only teach, but that we live by this godly example. And you know what that takes is, is being open and honest. It takes open communication with our children. And look for opportunities 
And, and instead of, you know, forcing your interests and hobbies on them, like, discover what theirs are. And then that could be a great way where you can spend time with them. Now, if they like what you like, great, that's awesome. But if they don't, instead of forcing them to do what you did, discover what they like. And then pursue that. So then that way, that's going to be an open window for that relationship. It's like, have you ever tried to, have you ever tried to open a window that was like maybe an old window that was stuck shut? You know how hard that is to open that window? Look, look for opportunities where there's an open window. Look for opportunities when your kids want to talk. Maybe that's windshield time as you're driving. You know, you know what it is for most kids? It's before bed because they're trying to get out of going to bed. And so they're stalling. They're stalling. But you know what? Sometimes those can be the best conversations when your kids will bring things up to you. And a lot of times it's not a convenient time. But make that time. Because there's going to be times when you're ready to lecture and you, you, you really want to really hammer this truth home. And I found that with my kids. Like maybe we're in the car, we're driving and like, you know, I want to talk theology. And my kids actually like talking about that sometimes. Or I want to talk about the hot button issues in our day. And like they just want to talk about their volleyball game last night. You know what? The worst thing can be is if I force a conversation. But when they start asking questions and they start bringing some of those things up. That's an opportune time where dive into that. Take the time. Take the time. We're talking about investing time. We're talking about not just lecturing, but living this godly example. This is what Moses is telling them. Hey, you have a responsibility to teach. You have a responsibility also to live by a godly example. And then a responsibility of, of having the big picture, having a vision for the big picture, he talks about not just your sons and daughters, but their sons and daughters. And I think as parents and churches, a lot of times we can be so short-sighted. So short-sighted of looking at now, of looking at next week. And I get it. It's sometimes it's like, man, if my kids can just get through this phase, or if we as parents can just get through this phase, when, they'll, when our kids will actually sleep at night. In their own bed. Amen? <laughs> we'll actually sleep at night. Or, man, if we can just get through this, this, this grade that they're in, that they're struggling with. And, man, if, if my kids could just get that, that B up to an A or D up to a C or F up to a D, whatever the case might be with your kids right now. If we could just, if, and we have short-sighted goals. And, again, I'm not saying that some of those things, like, that, that we can't look look to those things and be concerned about those things. But I think a lot of times we look way too short-sighted instead of looking at the big picture, instead of like, oh, let's just bail them out of this difficult situation. Well, maybe that's, that's what they need now, or maybe that's, that'd be good for them now. But here's a question. Would it be better for them long-term to let them go through this adversity and help them through it? Now, there's times you need to be an advocate for your kids. Maybe they're in a dangerous situation or a toxic situation or they're, they're being like truly bullied by people. Like, yes, protect your kids. Be an advocate for your kids. Be a shoulder to cry on. But there's times where maybe we just help our kids work through that. Help our kids work through that. By the way, we love this sound. 
Amen. We love having kids and young babies in, in our church. That's, we thank God for that. It's not an interruption. We, we are so thankful that God has brought so many young people and so many precious little ones into our church. We need to have a big picture as a church. Passing down truth to the next generation. Hey, what's our church going to look like 50 years from now? When most of us probably are with the Lord, right? If he hasn't returned. <laughs> or we're with the Lord. What's that church going to look like? Again, ultimately, God's the one that gives the results. And God brings people. And, and God brings growth to, to a church. Ultimately, it's in his hands. But I ask us this. Are we, are we looking at that big picture? Are we raising up the next generation? To where when we're just too old and tired, we could step out of the way and let them, let them lead, let them serve, let them follow God. And what's so exciting and what I love about Crosspoint is how that like we have so many people that are serving and so many people that are involved and we get to like have our kids be involved with us. And that's beautiful. That's wonderful. I love seeing that. We need to have a big picture in mind. The big picture in mind. Passionately teach. Live by a godly example. And look long term. Let's pray, God.